All right, good morning. Can we have one more sort of uh, clap of, of gratitude for the folks who are baptized? Amen. And for God's faithfulness all the time. Well, welcome this morning. Um, and if you're a guest with us, a special welcome for you. Glad you're joining us and got to experience our, our baptisms this morning. If you are a guest with us today, I want to call your attention to the, the Connect card you'll find in the bulletin. Or if you're online, you can find that above on one of the tabs above. And each week here at Crossroads, we fill these out. And if you're a first, second, third time guest, if you'd fill out as much of the card as you feel comfortable, then later on you can put that uh, in the, uh, we have boxes as you leave where we put connect cards, offerings, all that kind of good stuff. So you can just drop it in there. If you're a first time guest and you fill it out, you can take it to our guest, kiosk, uh, guest services kiosk in the cafe. Stop, get a donut. And then head over to the, the kiosk, and we've got a, a special gift for you if you're a first-time guest today. But, uh, yeah, glad you're here. You might have noticed um, that we had uh, a, a few additional young folks up here. Today is, uh, is what we're calling Student Integration Sunday. And uh, what that means is that the students who normally at 1045 are worshiping over in our student center... They are in with us, worshiping with us, and participating. So we got a, a few folks. We had a pianist, a guitarist, a singer. Uh, you might have noticed uh, greeters and ushers, uh, uh, students, as well as a couple in the, back in the tech booth. So uh, we just welcome them into the life of, uh, of sort of main church uh, because they are a part of the church, right? So every now and then we're going to be doing this. And, uh, you know, if you don't think God has a sense of humor, I don't know where you live. But, um, you know, I woke up on uh, Friday morning and looked in the mirror, and what did, I, what did I see? A big pimple right here on my, so I thought, oh, th thank you, Lord, you're trying to remind me what it was like to be a student, a teenager, and help me sort of get in sync, so for this Sunday, so, so thank you, God. Um, you probably can't see it, but probably people online who are on the, you know, high def, super zoomed in camera going, that's big, no, anyway. So, anyway, but next week, final announcement, I think. Next week, you don't want to miss, you, I, I know you, you're sort of tired of me preaching. So, next week, we have a guest preacher, and it's someone that you have never heard of. So, but he is a candidate for our lead pastor position. So, he'll be preaching this, this next Sunday. So, want to make sure that everybody comes and, and you can see him, hear him, meet him. And uh, so that is next Sunday. Don't miss it. All right? Good stuff. All right. Well, this week we've been going, we have a series on building blocks, habits for a meaningful life. And, and today's habit, today's building block is generosity. Whole life generosity. And we, we've, we've already dealt with, it, with, with a few. We've dealt with, uh, we had worship and service, and prayer, and now generosity. And, and some of you might be thinking, uh-oh, generosity, he's going to talk about money. That's what the church always does. We don't do it all the time, in fact, not that often, but actually money is only a small part of whole life generosity. And we're going to be taking a look at, at what that actually really means. But, but just relax. Today is not about a guilt trip. Today is about what I would call more appropriately a grace adventure. 
Because as we talk about these building blocks, these habits that we ought to put in our lives, it's not that these are, are, are good works that we do to earn God's favor. Or things that if we don't do it perfectly, God's going to be upset with us or angry with us or he's going to strike us down. The things we're talking about are, are their wisdom. If we want to truly have a meaningful, successful, joyful life of significance that makes a difference in the world around us and in our own lives, then these are building blocks we need to put in place. And so today is generosity. So maybe a first question is, um, what's the origin of generosity? Where did it come from? Uh, you know, evolutionary psychologists will say, you know, something like generosity where you're giving stuff away, that doesn't make sense with evolution because evolution is what makes it more possible for you to survive, right? And so selfless things don't fit so well. But we don't have to worry about evolution this morning because the truth is the origin of generosity is God and it's the way he created us. It's the way he created us. In fact, I love this. They, they did a study on two-year-olds who aren't thinking rationally yet. And they found that, that if they gave their treat away, they were more happy when they gave one of their own treats away than if somebody gave them a treat to give away. They were happier when they gave something that was already theirs rather than giving something that was somebody else's to begin with. You see, God wired us from the very beginning to be people who are generous, people who, are, who find joy in giving. Somewhere along the way, that gets sort of short-wired uh, or, or <laughs> short-circuited sometimes, and, and we, sort of, we lose our natural inclination to be generous, and we might call that sin. Um, but that's the way God created us in the beginning. See, God created each of us to be his children and to be like him as our heavenly father, and if, if there's one that we can look to who is perfectly, abundantly, overflowing, generous, it is God. In fact, there's a, a verse in Scripture. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Uh, one of my, I guess, many favorite verses. But uh, it says this. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. He says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich... Yet for your sakes, he became poor, so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Now just let those words sort of sink in. Jesus became poor for us, so that by his poverty, he could make us rich. That's generosity. He gave away all his riches, became poor, so that we could share in the riches that he wanted us to have. You see, Jesus Christ is God incarnate, right? God, up in heaven, with all the riches of, of perfect goodness and honor and power and glory and love and acceptance, he gave all of that to come to earth in the form of Jesus Christ, to live in a world where he was rejected and where he was not honored. In fact, where he was born into, and we'll talk more about this at Christmas time, but he was born into a family that was poor, Mary and Joseph. They were not middle class. They were a poor family. Jesus did not come to be born in a palace, but in poverty. And he lived among us without all the things that he gave up in heaven. And he ultimately died on the cross. He even gave up his life for us. 
and then he was raised again. He did all of that so that we might know the riches of God's grace and share in God's love and his glory and his purpose. So our lives would have true meaning and significance in this world beyond just sort of surviving and trying to get ahead. That was God's gift to us. God is extremely, ultimately generous. And he says, if you're my children, that's who I want you to be as well. Because it's how he created us. It's how he created us. And so... um, we might ask, if that's who God calls us to be, what does it actually mean? What does it look like to be generous? What, what does it actually look like in our world today? And, and, uh, and certainly when you think generosity, one of the first things that comes to mind is money, and that's a part of generosity. But it is multifaceted, and I want us to, to take a look at, at all the facets of generosity today. And there's a common... Um, and so, yeah, so, so we're going to define generosity. And the first way of doing that is... There, there are three words that often go together, sort of a, uh, uh, sort of a, uh, a fun way of alliterating sort of the, the nature of generosity. It's called time, talent, and treasure. So time, talent, and treasure. That's often how we talk about when we're being generous. What do we give away? We give our time, right? We volunteer. Uh, we, we, we help people. Our talent is when we use a specific gift that we have in order to, to help other people. Like, just to, to, to name one person out of many at Crossroads, but, but we have a member named Brad, who's an electrician. And he was here in here this week, wiring up our emergency exit signs, which if you'd said, Jerry, can you wire them up? We'd be saying, um, let me call the electrician, right? I have no clue what I'm doing. But, uh, but he came in, and, and with his, his right-hand man, Dave, they wired up this place, in, <laughs> figuratively and literally. So... Um, so that's talent. And then treasure, obviously, is what we often think of. That's money, wealth that we have. And those are different ways that we think of generosity, time, talent, and treasure. But I want to add three to that because uh, there, there's more to generosity than just that. And so the three that I add personally is influence, energy, and grace. Influence, energy, and grace. Influence... We all have influence. We have influence in personal relationships. We may have influence uh, at, at the workplace. There are many different ways that we develop in our lives influence around us. The question is, do we use our influence just to help us get ahead, or do we use our influence to be a blessing to other people? One example of that, if you're at work, you might use your influence at work to help somebody get a job. In fact, many of you have probably done that. That's that's being generous with your influence at work to help another person. Or if you're at school and you've got, you know, your friend circle. And, you know, when when you're in school, there's generally all these different friend circles. What happens when someone new comes? They don't have a friend circle or they're awkward. Are you willing to use your influence in relationships to help bring someone into your friend circle? Or are you going to protect your influence? just for your own sake. Right? That's another matter of, are, you be, are we being generous with our influence in different areas of life? And then energy. Energy is just as important as time. Somebody, in fact, you might have seen people who do something, but they're not giving much energy to it. They're putting in the time, but they're not actually focusing, giving their best to it. Energy means I'm giving my energy to this time. It's like somebody who's listening to another person, but they're sort of tuning out, they're thinking about other things. 
Well, they're giving their time, but not their energy. And so energy is another thing that, that sometimes we protect. But God says, I want you to be generous with your energy as well. And then finally, grace. Grace. Are we generous with grace? You know, in our world today, judgment is really, that's the bottom line of so much in our world today, is judging other people in, in a whole host of different ways. But God says, I want you to be gracious. What does it look like to be, gener- to look like to be generous with grace? One thing, it means to forgive easily, right? You know, it's easy to want, you got to make that up to me. I'm going to make you pay. But, and that's justice, but that's not grace. And thankfully, that's not the way God deals with us. He forgives us. And he says, I want you to pass on. I want you to be generous with grace and forgive people. It could be how we interpret whether, what other people are doing. Sometimes in this world, people will do something and everybody jumps on them. I can't believe you did that. And people will actually assign you motives and, and you're a bad person, etc. What if we began to be generous with grace? And when we saw something, somebody do something we didn't understand, what if we started by thinking they have a positive motivation rather than a negative one? Maybe I should ask them a question rather than just judge them, accuse them. That's being generous with grace. Or sometimes in this life we see somebody and we think, oh, that's not my kind of person. We tend to sort of judge them based on how they talk, how they, how they look, how they act. And, and what if we were generous with grace and just treated everybody as having the same ultimate value? That's being generous with grace. And so generosity isn't just money. It's all these things. It's time, talent, treasure. It's our influence, our energy, and our grace. And God wants us to be multifaceted in how we live with those around us. You know, the University of Notre Dame has, um, they have something called the Science of Generosity Project, where they study generosity, and, and they have a definition of generosity. And that is this. It's the virtue of giving good things to others freely and abundantly. Good things freely and abundantly. You know, and obviously generosity is giving good things, right? In other words, you can give somebody a piece of your mind, but that's probably not a good thing for them. It might make you feel better. You can, you can give them a hard time. You can, you can give them what's coming. You can give them a headache. But generosity is giving them good things, things that are truly going to bless their life. You're going to encourage them. And to give those things freely and abundantly. And thinking of giving what's good, uh, Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. And I've got a lot of things from Jesus today. He says, a good person brings good out of the treasure of good things in his heart. A bad person brings bad out of his treasure of bad things. So think in your life and what... What's coming out of you to other people? Is it good things? Is it things that bless and encourage? Or is it headache and a piece of your mind and a whatever else it might be? What, because what we give to other people shows the state of our heart. When we're generous with good things, the multifaceted good things, 
Jesus says, that's because your heart is in the right place. But if we find that we're giving things to other people, if our interactions aren't as grace-filled and generous, passing on good things, then I might need to ask, how does my heart need to change so that I become a better person? I become the person I really want to be because, you know, to be honest, when you look around, who would you, would you rather be with, a generous person or a self-centered person? I mean, we'd all rather be around the generous person. So that's the kind of person I want to learn to be as well. So this goodness, if it's going to be truly generosity, it needs freely and abundantly. And freely, that's exactly the description for how God blesses us, Right? The Bible says we are saved by grace. It is a free gift of God. God's forgiveness, God's new life is not something we either should or even could earn. It's a free gift. All we have to do is ask for it, accept it, receive it. But God offers it to us if we'll simply accept it. No strings attached. No hidden payments six months from now. It's not like interest-free for six months, but then, bam, it hits you. No, God gives it absolutely free. And so he tells his disciples, just as I've ministered to you with no cost involved, I want you to go out and I want you to bless other people the same way. Again, Jesus, Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 says this. As he's sending his 12 disciples out on a mission trip, Jesus sent out his 12 disciples with the following instructions. He gives a whole host of things to do. And then he finally says, freely you have received, freely give. And he's talking about pretty much anything they're going to do as they minister. It means sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. It means healing. It means helping the poor. It means anything. Whatever you do, go and just do it for people, no strings attached. They don't have to repay you. Absolutely free of charge, which sometimes sort of goes against the grain with us as people. When, we, when we're good, we sort of want to be repaid for it. Sort of interesting that way. But Jesus says, give it freely. He also then says, I want you to do it abundantly, to give over and above, not, not stingily, but I want you to give just freely, open arms, be generous and abundant. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. And they're taking a collection for the church in Jerusalem, which is having great difficulty. And to encourage them, because they're going to be coming to Corinth to, to get the collection, because Corinth said, we're going to give. So he says in, in chapter 8, verse 2, he says, the Macedonians, this other church, he says, in the midst of a very severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, that's an interesting juxtaposition of words there, isn't it? The Macedonians were going through their own trial. Yet it says, because of their overflowing joy, even in their poverty, they gave generously, richly. And ultimately, God wants us to give joyfully and willingly. In fact, Paul says, the Macedonians actually sort of begged me to take their money. 
I, which I don't, I don't know if it meant Paul was like, you know, I, maybe you guys should keep it. You guys are in just as bad a shape as the pe- folks in Jerusalem. But there's no, we want to give. And it's interesting, I've traveled to 38 countries around the world, rich and poor. And guess which countries tend to be the most generous? It's the poor countries. Even here in America, if you look at giving trends, you will see that, that the poor give a much higher percentage of their income than those who make more money than they do. In fact, um, some studies show poor give a much higher percentage and then it sort of levels out. Some have it sort of go up at the end so that the, the very wealthy end up giving more, a larger percent of their money. People like Bill Gates who gave away $10 billion, which I can't match. Um, <laughs> so that, that probably skews that, that end there. But it's interesting that it's the middle class where most of us live we're just in our lives, you know, <laughs> I'm comfortable. But, you know, God wants to change my heart and he wants to change each of our hearts to be more generous. To, to say comfort's not the most important thing in life. Generosity actually is. And that's the change that God wants in us. And so, like I say, the poor generally are the most generous when it comes to the amount that they give compared to what they actually have. And those of us who have much more, we just need to learn from those with much less, to be honest. So, is it wrong to be rich? No, it's not wrong to be rich. In fact, here's what Paul says to the rich in 1 Timothy 6.18. Paul is, is talking to Timothy, who's the pastor of the church in Ephesus, and he says, tell the rich to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. So being rich is not bad. Being powerful is not bad. Being wealthy is not bad. The morality comes in what we do with it. It also might come in with how we get it. If you got it by abusing people, that's bad, obviously. But being wealthy in and of itself is not a bad thing. That's a gift from God. In fact, to be honest, compared to most of the world, most of us in here are fairly wealthy. But he tells them, being rich isn't bad, but it's how you use what God has entrusted to you. So, rich isn't bad, but selfish is. Powerful isn't bad, but greedy is. Right? Wealthy isn't bad, but, but being apathetic and not caring about the needs of those around us, that is. And so he says, make sure that they're, they're giving their money and their time. In fact, that's interesting, isn't it? He says, make sure they share their money, but also make sure they're doing good things. Sometimes people will give a check so they don't have to worry about getting their hands dirty. Well, I gave. But Jesus says, actually, I want you to give every part of your life. Your treasure, your time, your abilities, your influence your energy, and your grace. Whole life generosity. That's what God is after. And Jesus tells us, well, he doesn't tell a story. The Bible tells us a story when Jesus was in the temple. And they had an interesting practice back there. Um, and that is Jesus was sitting in the temple and all the people were bringing their gifts and they would drop them into the, the, to the gift basket so everybody else could see. And we thought maybe we would do that at Crossroads so we would be biblical, right? And everybody could just bring their, and I'll just watch. 
yeah, we'd have a pretty small congregation pretty quickly, huh? But that's the way they did it back then. So Jesus is watching all the people bring their money in. And then this poor widow comes in. So sneaks on the side and drops her, her two copper coins in. And here's what Jesus says. He says, I tell you truly, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she out of, she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. Now, we might think that's a little bit crazy, but that was a heart that was transformed by the love of God. She wanted, to, she wanted to give that to God and to his work. And God says, all these rich people who, on, on an accounting basis, gave a heck of a lot more, she actually had the greatest value of giving. Because it's not the dollar amount, it's, it's is our heart inclined to give our all to God and out of love for others? Or are we using what God's given us to to simply make our own life a little easier and more comfortable? What's the value of a gift? You know, I I sometimes look up um, what rich and famous people give. Just a little hobby. Um, uh, because some people end up giving a lot. Like um, Warren Buffett basically wants to give away his whole fortune uh, and not pass it on to his kids, figuring it's going to ruin his kids if he does. So he's going to give away like 99%. And he's giving away billions. But most people are not Warren Buffett, right? So I was looking at some presidents. Um, this is always fun. Um, and uh, I, this isn't meant to be political, and you, you just hang with me. But our current president, Biden, notoriously stingy. The 10 years before he became vice president, his average annual giving to charity was $367. And he was making pretty good money at that time. Well, he's gotten better. In fact, once he started considering running for president, it it grew quite quickly. Um, Now, I know that's a little cynical. But, so you know it's not political, President Obama... One of the most generous presidents we've had. He gave 15 to 20% of his income every year. President Bush, I mean, President Trump, who knows? Because we never saw his income tax returns. But, But both Bush presidents, also very, very generous. Wealthy, but generous. We can have generous wealthy people. You can have stingy wealthy people. You can have generous... Poor, you can have stingy poor. The question is, what is God doing in your life and mine? Where is he leading us to be generous? And not, I mean, money is the easiest thing to quantify, so that's why I talk about money. But it's every area of life, giving our time as well. I, think about President, I love Jimmy Carter, who up into his 90s continued to, to volunteer at Habitat for Humanity around the world, building homes for the poor. And not only using his time, but using his influence, being, being generous with his influence to have other people join him in that. Very generous man. So how do we develop a heart of generosity? Or what I call develop a whole life heart of generosity. A whole life heart of generosity. Not just generous here or there, but generous in all of life. And uh, 
You know, it's interesting when thinking of Christians and the way God changes our heart, studies show that Christians give more than four times as much as non-religious people. And that's not a judgment, that's just a, a statistic. And you might say, well, that's because they're giving to their church, which non-religious people wouldn't do. But in, in a couple minutes, I'm going to give you another statistic that will show the, nat- the true nature of the heart change in Christians in terms of generosity. But the thing is, why do we give, right? Why do we give? What's our heart for giving? And, uh, and God wants us to have the right heart for giving. Another study showed different religions and why they give. And so Christians, the study showed, generally give out of love for God and love for others, wanting to help people. Then they showed, why do Muslims give? And the, the, the primary purpose there was duty to God and fear of God. Two very different motivations, right? See, as Christians who know God's grace, we realize that we don't have to earn God's grace and his love. And so when we give, we're supposed to give out of love, willingly. But in the Muslim world, you have to earn your salvation or you earn God's wrath. And so therefore, giving is out of duty or fear. I personally like the sort of grace and love thing a little bit better. But here's what, 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 what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. He says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I've heard a lot of preachers make a horrible sermon with this and say cheerful comes from the Greek word hilaros, which ultimately we get our word hilarious from. So God wants a hilarious giver. You should be laughing. And that's just not what the word means. It simply means cheerful and joyful. God wants us to give willingly, happily, joyfully, not reluctantly or under compulsion. You see, God doesn't actually need me to give him anything. God doesn't need me at all. But God loves me. He wants my life to be the most meaningful and most joyful and most blessed, which means I need to live the way I was created, which means I actually, I need to give. God doesn't need me. I need to give if I'm going to live a life of meaning and purpose and fulfillment, and joy, because it's how God created me. And so, uh, God wants us to give with an overflowing heart, out of a heart of joy, not because somebody's watching what we're putting in. By the way, another study showed that when people know that a gift is going to be made public, they give more. Shocker, right? But, <laughs> but the point is, we should want to give whether anybody ever knows what we've given, We should want to give our life away. Well, one of the ways we develop a heart of giving is by developing the right habits of generosity. Because our habits move our heart. Our habits move our heart. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6. He says, Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. 
So which goes first, the treasure or the heart? So it's actually the heart. Wherever you put your treasure, your heart is going to follow. If your greatest value and treasure is in worldly, earthly things and wealth, etc., you're going to have, that's where your heart's going to follow. But if my greatest value in life is doing things that bless other people, that are glorifying to God, that are beyond myself, then my heart's going to follow me there. If I want my heart to be in the right place, I have to develop the right habits of generosity. Not only that, but it needs to be our whole life and not just part of life where we're generous. You've heard me give the the six facets of generosity. I'm going to give them to you one more time just because I want them to sink in, right? But God doesn't say, be generous with your time, but don't worry about your talent. Be generous with your treasure, but don't worry about your influence. You know, be, be generous with your energy, but don't worry about grace. You know, be, be mean to folks. That's no big deal, as long as you're giving enough money. Right? Money covers a multitude of sins. Isn't that what the Bible says? No, no, no. <laughs> Love. <laughs> um, God wants to be generous in every way, just as he is generous in every way. It's our whole life, not just a part of life. In fact, when Jesus was talking to the religious leaders at that time, when he, was, when, he, when he was on earth, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were very legalistic. They wanted to follow the letter of the law. And so they were, they were generous in certain respects. So listen to what Jesus says. He says, what sorrow awaits you teachers and religious law, of the re- religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, your mint, your dill, your cumin. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. See, they thought, well, if we're giving the tithe, because that's what God says. God says that everybody should give a tenth of their income. That's the standard that all people who love the Lord should give. Okay, we're doing that, so we're, we're, we're good. And God says, okay, well, yes, you're doing it, and, and you should, but you forgot mercy. You forgot generosity with grace. You forgot justice. You, you forgot faithfulness. You know, in fact, you're so good at, at the legalistic part of tithing, you even give a tenth of your dill and your cumin. I mean, actually, you can have 100% of my dill. I don't really like this stuff, but... But how often do, do, do we hear people say, well, I volunteered, so I don't need to give money. I gave money, I don't need to volunteer. I, I, did, I was good in this part of generosity, so I can ignore the others. And, and that's not the way... That's not, what God wants from us. In fact, if, if you're a student and you said, I'm, I'm just going to work, I'm just going to study um, math, but not English or science or uh, history, would you graduate? No, you wouldn't graduate. What if God said to you, you know what? I'm going to be generous half the time. So I'm going to forgive you for your gluttony, but not your lust. I'm going to forgive you for anger, but not for envy, right? I'm, I'm going to forgive you for greed, but not for pride, We'd be in bad shape if God was only half generous, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't we? See, God is generous in every way. And he says, you know what? I have blessed you in this world. I've given you so much that I want you to share. I've given you influence 
use that influence not just to make your life better, but to make the lives of others better. I've given you grace freely, so I want you to go out and share that grace with others. And every dollar you, you've earned and every bit of wealth you've accumulated, that's actually a gift from me. I gave you the ability to, 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 to do that and to collect that. And so use it for my purposes, to be a blessing. That's what God desires from us. Our whole life, not just part. And then third bullet point under a whole life heart of generosity is that spiritual and secular are integrated. Spiritual and secular are integrated. You know, for a Christian, for someone, a disciple of Jesus Christ, we realize that all of life is spiritual. There is no part of life that's secular as if God didn't care, as if our spiritual life didn't matter. Every single part of our life matters. By the way, let me just throw out here, vote on Tuesday. Okay. Um, because that's not, that's not secular, that's spiritual. Everything I do is spiritual. The world wants to make a difference between the two, right? This is the spiritual realm, this is the secular realm. Never the twain shall meet, right? Keep them separate. But no, God says, I created this world. I'm involved in this world. Every part of this world, every part of your life has spiritual significance and meaning and power. In fact, Jesus tells his disciples, he tells them a sort of a bizarre uh, uh, parable about a dishonest guy who used his, his boss's money to make friends for himself before he got fired. Not moral. Um, but there was a moral of the story, and that is this. I'll read you the moral. Jesus says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. I'm just going to stop right there. What is Jesus saying there? Our worldly money, wealth, all the, the resources we've been giving, he says, be generous with the world, make friends with your generosity so they can see God's love in your life and they'll be attracted to God. They'll come to know God's love and so when you go to heaven, they're there waiting for you because out of your generosity with worldly things, you change someone's spiritual life for eternity. I mean, there's no comparison between a life with God for eternity in blessing and a few earthly goods here and now. Of course, in our natural earthly mindset, we focus on the earthly stuff, the resources we have. And that's why God says, Put your treasure in the right place and your heart will follow. Make your life count not just for the moment but for the future and for eternity. So use your money, use your influence right now to make friends so they can come to know Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, that God's entrusted you, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, God's, who will give you property of your own? So the question, am I using God's gifts to me well? And, and you know, I, I've, I've had to struggle with this at different times in my life. When I was, when I was young, um, 
I, I, I wanted to save everything. I did not like spending money. I was cheap. I'm still a little cheap, but um, <laughs> I'm just being honest, right? But over the years, I've learned, you know what? It's just, it's just earthly stuff. It's not of real value. And so I've learned to be more and more generous as I've gotten older and older. And, and if you're younger than me, learn the lesson earlier. It's much better. So, again, every part of life is a part of our spiritual life of generosity. And everything in your life can be used to change the life of another person. Every resource God has put at your disposal can be used to change the life of another person. And, and to be honest, that's what, we're, that's what we're about here at Crossroads. We want to change people's lives. You know, I hate to say it, but when it comes to generosity, the generosity of people is far more effective than the generosity of the government. Right? We've tried to solve all sorts of things by throwing money at, at it. We're still in a big mess, right? But the, the way lives are really changed is by people being generous with other people. It doesn't mean get rid of the government. We need the government. But the point is, don't say, well, the government will take care of it or someone else will take care of it because God placed you and me here to be a part of the solution in other people's lives. He created us to be a blessing, to help other people transform their lives and to be lifted up and encouraged and, and valued and blessed. It's why I am on this earth and I'm continuing to learn what that really means in my life. And I'm inviting you on that adventure, on that journey of spreading God's grace. Of course, the number one challenge with grace is this. Real generosity requires trust. Real generosity requires trust. You see, there are two mindsets in, in the world and there's a whole spectrum, but there's, a, there's something called the scarcity mindset and something called an abundance mindset. A person with a scarcity mindset it, it says, if I give something away, there won't be anything left for me. A person with an abundance mindset says, if I give something away, there's still plenty for everybody. And God is a God of abundance. It's not a zero-sum game. That the more you know econ economics, the more you realize the more people give and spread it around, the more everybody has. It's interesting. Generosity requires a mindset of abundance, which means I trust that the Lord, as I'm generous with all that he's entrusted me with, the Lord's going to take care of me. I'm not going to be left, you know, alone, poor in the dirt over here because I was too generous. God will take care of me as I give my life away. And Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says this. This is Jesus. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, we poured into your lap. For with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. Right? So, give, and it will be given to you. Often, the more generous you are, the more other people will be generous with you. But even if they're not, God still will take care of you. In fact, I love this image. A good mother pressed down, shaken together, running over. You know, if you want to get the most flour into, into, into a container, what do you do? You press it down, you pound it so you have it all settled, and then you have it running over. 
God says, I'm going to give you more than you know what to do with. I will pour my grace and my generosity into your life if you will learn to be generous with what I do give you. But if you're not going to be generous, why would I give you more? So God says, trust me. Give your life away and you will find your life is far better the more you give it away. Because it's how God designed our life to work. It's how he created you and me. And wouldn't this world be a better place if generosity were truly a value that we all lived out? Well, it takes a heart transformed by Jesus Christ. Oh, I forgot to tell you what that other statistic, didn't I? I did. I'm sorry. So here's the deal. Yeah, back to secular and spiritually the same. So Christians give more than four times as much as non-religious people. But when it comes, but you say, well, that's because they give to the church. They give to, you know, missions. They give to whatever. But when it comes to giving to secular causes, guess who gives more to secular causes? Christians are non-religious. Christians actually give more. They are 30% more likely to give to secular causes. And when they do give, they're, tw- they're likely to give 20% more than their non-religious neighbor. You'd say, well, why in the world is that? Shouldn't Christians be given to the church and non-religious be given to secular? But the point is when God changes your heart to be generous, it affects all of life. And there's not a boundary between spiritual and secular. Like giving to the MS society is, well, that's not very spiritual. It's very spiritual. My brother has it, so I've given there. I've, I, I've given a lot of secular. I give a lot more to the church and God's work. But it's all part of God's generosity to make this world a better place. Okay, back to the ending of the sermon. <laughs> Sorry, you know, what can I say? All right. But that's, the truth is this. Our heart is what God wants to change. Because when our heart changes, our life changes. And a part of our heart changing is putting into practice the habits that God says are important. It teaches us how to value things correctly. If you want to become a more generous person, then start by taking small steps of generosity. And trust God as you take those steps and watch him work. It's amazing. Well, if you have never experienced God's transforming work in your heart, if you want to live a life that is more generous, more meaningful, that affects other people, not just for the moment, but literally for eternity, if you want to live a life that is truly more joyful, then you need to give your life to God and allow Him to reorient your priorities, to reorient your values, to give you a new understanding of who you are, why you were created, why you're here on earth. If you've never given your life to God and accepted His grace through Jesus Christ, I encourage you to do that right now, to ask Him to to change your heart and to change your life by His grace. And so if you'd like to do that today, please just join me right now as we pray. God in heaven, thank you for 
being so generous with us in every part of life. And thank you for creating me and creating me to be a person who lives a joyful, fulfilled, meaningful life. And Lord, I desire that. And so I just ask you right now, God, would you come into my life and begin to transform my heart? I accept the forgiveness that Jesus Christ accomplished for me on the cross. And the new life that he, he gives me through his resurrection. And so, Lord, give me that new life, that forgiveness, that new start today. So that I can live for you. I can live for those around me. I can be the person that I was meant to be. And I truly want to be. I pray this through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.